And uh, this is one of those times of the year that I like to call the back to season, right? Right? First we got back to school and all the parents said, amen. Okay, exactly. <laughs> amen. Get out of my house. Like, you need to go. Leave for a little. No. Uh, but we got back to school going on. Sorry, the homeschool moms are like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> Where do I sign up for that? No. Okay. It's back to school. But it's also kind of the back to rhythms and schedules. You know, in Minnesota, we love our summers, don't we, right? Because we don't get much of it. So we milk every bit of those three weeks. And then when it's time to get back to the fall, it's like, okay, I got to get back to some schedules and routines. I probably need to establish some of those things. For others of you, you're real excited because it's back to football. How many excited for football today, right? Right? Where are the Vikings fans at? Where are my Vikings fans at? I see a jersey here. I'm a Chicago boy. Any Bears fans out there with me? Come on. There we go. There we go. Packers fans, keep your mouth shut. We don't want to hear from you. We don't want to hear from you. Just, we let you in here, but do not talk, okay? All right, no. <laughs> Sorry. It's also, uh, for some of you, this is uh, kind of a back to church, <laughs> right? This is a back, no guilt in here. There's some of you like, ah, it's the summer. I haven't been, I've been to church in a little while. I should probably get back to it, and that's good. There's some of you, it's just been a while. There's others of you that I would guess this is your very first time coming. And if that's the case, I am so glad you are here. Just seriously, we are so glad that you would grace us and like take the opportunity to be here. I know there's a, there's a thousand other things you could be doing this morning. I love that you are in the doors this morning. And as I prepared for this morning and, and what, God, what do you want us to, to look at today? I just felt God say, I want you to bring an encouraging word to the church. Just encourage them and speak to them. And this morning there's going to be a challenge, but but I believe this is an encouraging message because we live in a dark world, don't we? Like, it's been heavy. The last several years, I don't know about you, but it's felt heavy. It's felt frustrating at times. It, it's been discouraging. And, and for those of you, even yesterday, as we celebrated the 20-year anniversary of 9-11, uh, for those who, you know, weren't there, you don't understand the heaviness of that day and that season. And, and there's a heaviness that comes to it. And I think it's so easy in our world to get focused on the darkness. And I think this morning, we're going to have an opportunity to be encouraged by God's word. And I think he's got something for us. So if you've got your Bibles, and we encourage you to bring a Bible or open it up on your phone, turn with me to Psalm 23. Psalm 23, beginning in verse number 1. As you're turning in there, we're in a Bible reading plan. We're going through the whole Bible this year. And so uh, if you've gotten off course, haven't jumped in, go ahead and jump in. Go to our website uh, right on the top of our homepage. You can click on that. We're going to be getting to the New Testament in just over a month here. And so uh, excited to do that. Would you stand with me around the room? So we're going to read our primary text. I say this all the time. Nothing sacred about sin. It's just our tradition to say, God, we value your words more than my words. All right? Psalm 23. This is one of those texts you need to drink in this morning. Okay? Some of you, you've, you've had a crazy life. It's been a crazy week. More than just listening, I pray that you would just receive this word over you today. Okay? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And God, I pray that you would allow the truths of this to really resonate in our hearts, God. As I believe you are drawing every single one of us closer to you and to deeper intimacy with you, God, I pray that today would be a part of that journey. And I pray we'd walk out of this place different. We pray that in Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. You can be seated. 
Well, I'm going to start this morning uh, by asking you what I would consider a mildly weird question. It's probably a question you've never asked yourself. In fact, as this past week has gone on, I've thought about this, and I'm like, I don't know that I've ever asked myself this question specifically. I've asked something similar, but never this question. Here's a question this morning for you. It's this. Who is your shepherd? Who is your shepherd? Right? You, there's other spiritual questions you've probably asked, but I don't know if you've ever asked yourself that one. Who's really shepherding my life? You might like, I don't even know what it means to have a shepherd. So ask yourself this way. Who directs and guides your life? Who guards and protects your life? And who brings correction in your life? All right? Think about that. I think if you thought about those questions and you analyze it not based on what you think the right answer is, but based on what the real answer is for your life, my guess is there's a few answers that would come out, right? First answer would probably be this. For a lot of you, you would say this, your family and your friends, right? Your family and friends, they're the ones. They're the ones that oftentimes are guiding your life. Maybe it's parents. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a, a sibling. Maybe it's a friend group that you have, some close relationships you have. They're the ones that guide you. They're the, they guard and protect you. You got a mama bear out there, right? Somebody picks with you, she goes after them, right? Or maybe you need correction in your life. You got parents. You got those. They bring correction to your life. Maybe they're the ones shepherding your life. But I think there's other options out there. I think some of you, if you were honest, would say this. It's culture that actually shepherds your life. What do I mean? You think about it. The world around you, the flow of culture, what's going on, our media, our news, what gets spoken in your life, actually that's what's guarding and directing your life. That's what's influencing where you are headed in your personal life. They're shepherding you a whole lot. But then there's some of you that, that I would say that maybe your answer is this. You are the shepherd of your life. Maybe you've been hurt, right? Some of you, I know, there's some of you, maybe you lost a parent when you were younger. There's some of you, maybe were hurt in past, and you don't really trust anybody else. And you're like, I got this myself. I can take care of this one myself. When it comes to who's going to guide and direct, I got that. I can figure it out, right? When it comes to who's guarding and protect me, I can protect myself. I'm fine. And when it comes to correction, I am disciplined. Right? If there's something that needs to be done, I will figure it out. You are the shepherd of your own life. And I would say this, that being shepherded by these things isn't all bad. Like parents or kids, it's a good thing to let your parents shepherd you. Listen to your parents. That's a good thing. You know? It's okay occasionally to be guided by culture. Like, don't be socially awkward, okay? Let culture stop you from doing that, okay? And even when it comes to yourself, it's okay to, to have common sense, to make right decisions, right? To not make stupid decisions. But I would say this. If we are depending on these to be the ultimate shepherds of our lives, we're in serious trouble. We are in serious trouble. Why? Think about it for a second. Just think about it for a second. Half, at least Half of the problems and challenges in your life come from your family and friends. <laughs> right? Think about it. Like a lot of your problems, that's where they come from. You got, you got mama problems, you got dad problems, you got marriage problems, you got all these. They're coming from there, right? So that can't be the shepherd for all of your life. And culture is lying to you most of the time. You don't even know what to believe in culture, right? They don't have your best interests in mind. They don't care about you. They want to use you, right? And then you... And as awesome as you think you are, okay, but just think about it. Even if you, you, you are awesome, I'm going to give it that you're amazing. You know when you're in a room by yourself, you know who you really are. Not the, not the you that everybody else sees, but the you that you know you are. You know you're not as good as you, you need, right? 
And so this morning I come to you with a fourth option. The fourth option is this. What if the Lord was your shepherd? What if you put your life into his hand? You see, Psalm 23 begins this way in verse number one. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I have everything that I need. He desires this. And what we're going to do here is we're going we're to walk through this passage. And I, and I believe this is the, the better option for your life. This is the good option. The option that sometimes, you know, we might say, give me a, give me a test. And I would write, yes, I should have the Lord to be my shepherd. But when it comes to the day-to-day, so often this is not how we live. And I think God is calling us to a better place. Listen, if we allow the other shepherds to lead us, they will fail you, but ultimately they lead to your own destruction. It is only the good shepherd that leads us to life. And so if, you got, if you're going to take some notes here this morning, I would encourage you to write a couple things down. First thing that we're going to, as we walk through this passage is this. First point is he's a God who provides. What is this shepherd like? This shepherd that we can put our trust in. He is a God who provides. Look at what it says in verse number two, if you're following along. It says, he makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Now, this is shepherd and sheep language. And sorry, but newsflash, you're the sheep, okay? Which is kind of offensive because sheep are dumb, right? But when you think about the decisions we sometimes make in our past, like, yeah, I'm kind of a sheep a lot of the time. I, can, I made some pretty stupid decisions. And in this past, listen, we are the sheep. And what does it say? Our God is a shepherd. And what does it say first? He makes us lie down in green pastures. Sometimes he has to force us to do the thing that is best for us. When you're a sheep, what do you need? You need green grass. That's what you need. And our God is a God that wants to lead us to the things we need. So often we are looking to be led where we want to go. And our God, he says, listen, I am a God who will provide for you. I provide the things you need, not always the things you want. But will you trust me? Will you allow me to lead you there, to lead you to life? That's what I want to do. It goes on, he says, he leads me beside quiet waters. If you're a sheep, you don't want to take a drink from a, from a rushing river, okay? You're going to get swept away. He leads you to quiet waters. He knows what, what does it say next? He refreshes my soul. He knows what you need to refresh yourself, to restore yourself. And see, what I love about this language here, this isn't a striving language. This is a restful language. And how different is that from our world, right? We live in a world that's all about strive, 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 strive. If you, if you don't have enough, to strive more, and then you'll be satisfied. No, you're not. You're not going to be more satisfied if you work harder, if you give more, if you're exhausted all the time. No, our God is not a God of chaos and feeling overwhelmed. Our God is a God of rest and his peace. In fact, he is the prince of peace. Amen? Right? That's who he is. And he desires to lead us into this abundance and into rest, not into an exhaustion. That's what he provides for us. What I love about Jesus, if you read him, about him in the, in the Gospels, Jesus would get really ticked off at times. You know who he'd get ticked off at? At the religious leaders. Why? One of the main reasons he would get ticked off at them is this, that when it came to the concept of the Sabbath, that if you don't know what the Sabbath is, Sabbath is the one out of seven. One day out of seven, you're supposed to rest. You're supposed to stop, your, cease from working, and rest. Why? It's a reminder that God is your source, a reminder that you are not the source, okay? And that you can trust in him, and that you're not going to operate out of all going because that is actually detrimental to your life. 
That's the point of the Sabbath. But the, the religious leaders had turned the Sabbath into something where it was just, oh, you got to follow all the rules and do everything just perfect. And if you do it all right, then you'll be fine. He's like, no, that's not the point. I'm a God of rest. Would you rest? Would you live out of my abundance rather than feeling like if you just keep working harder, maybe things are going to be okay? Our God is a God who will provide. But will we listen? Look at your life. Think about your life for a second. What characterizes your life? Does one, is it one who is receiving your provision from God? Or is it one who is trying to pave your own path? Right? He is a God who provides. We get to point number two, though, and it's this. He's a God who guides. He's a God who guides. All right? How many of you have ever been uh, hiking in the mountains? Anybody ever hiked in the mountains before? Okay. I love it. I love hiking in the mountains. I love going out in the mountains. It's beautiful. One of those kind of things. Uh, four years ago, uh, me and Amber, we took our kids and we went to Colorado. We went out to Colorado. We had some friends who had a place in Vail and we got to stay there for free. Awesome. It was amazing, okay? And so we got to go stay out there in the summer and get to, you know, and it was just beautiful. The weather was gorgeous and we're out there hiking. And, th and there was this place we could go and it said you could take one of these like alpine like hanging things that could take you up the mountain, you know? And then there was like a one mile little hike to another one and then we take the little thing back down. It was just gonna be this nice little thing. It said it's like a 30 minute walk. It's gonna be amazing, okay? And so we do this. We take the kids. It's going to be awesome. So we go up the little thing. We get to the top of the mountain. It's gorgeous. I've got a picture of us standing there at the top of the mountain. Here's a picture of us. This is my kids. Little, little baby girl. She was only three at the time. This was awesome. You know, we're out there. We're smiling. Notice the smiles on our faces. Because that's about to end. Okay. <laughs> so we had the, like, there was a little path. They said, remember, 30 minutes. It's like one mile to go walk to this place. I'm like, great, okay. I look at the map. I'm like, I think it's right here. This is going to be great. So we go. We start walking, you know. It's great. We get a little ways down the road. I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't think I went the right way. And I'm looking at the map. I'm like, I don't even, I don't see us on the map anymore. <laughs> and I'm a little confused. And so we, we get about an hour into this thing. And I'm like, I don't know where we are. I cannot figure out where we're at. We get to two hours. And I'm like, I still have no idea. Now I'm thinking, are there bears out here? Because I don't know where I am anymore. And so you remember, these, this was not the plan. So our kids, they were expecting lunch in 30 minutes. So they're hungry. We've got no water. We're out here ro roaming around the forest. I have no idea where we are, and we're not seemingly getting any closer. We get to three hours out there. I still don't know where we are, okay? And they're getting cranky. My little baby girl, back at one hour, she gave out. And, you know, I've got her on my shoulders. You know, I'm carrying her around now for the next three hours. Around three and a half hours into this trip, we spot finally where it is we're supposed to go. But I don't even see a trail to get there. And I said, doesn't matter. We're walking down the hill. We walk down, so straight down the hill to get to where we're going, okay? And there's no path, doesn't matter, all right? We finally get to this thing. After four hours, my kids are exhausted. We get to the bottom of the hill, and I'm a good dad, so I bought them ice cream, as you can see in the next picture. And the, my little kids, they ate the ice cream, and they forgot about everything that took place out on the mountain. It's awesome. Ice cream solves all sin. Um, but I say this because it, it didn't matter that I just took a path. I had to take the right path. See, what does he say? He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And see, here's the problem that we have, is that we want to say, oh yeah, God, God I, want, I want you to shepherd me until he tells you to go somewhere that you don't want to go. Because you don't think that's the right path. You say, God, I know better than you do. I want to do things my way. And here's what God would say to you. Are you going to let me shepherd you or not? I want to lead you down the right path. I want to guide you into 
good things. We talk about zoe. Maybe you're a guest here and you're like, what in the world is zoe? Zoe is the Greek word for life. It's the abundant, overflowing, overwhelming life that is only found in Jesus. But guess what? Zoe life comes on his terms, not on yours. He will guide you. He will guide you into that Zoe life. That's what he desires for you. That's what he designed for you. But are we responsive to him? Are we saying, God, I will respond to you. I will allow you to lead me. I will allow you to be my guide. I will let you take me into those places. And where does God do that more than anywhere else? Right here in his word. Do we come to his word and say, what does it say in Psalm 119? It says it this way in Psalm 119. Your word, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. You lead and you guide me into righteousness, into the good things of life. But are we listening to him? Listen, he's a good shepherd. He cares for you. He knows what is best for you. He is calling and beckoning you. Will you listen to him? Or are you going to go your own way? So he's a God who provides. He's a God who guides. And finally, he's a God who's near. He's a God who's near. Look what it says in verse number four. It says this. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, and some of you may know this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what? I will fear no evil for you are with me. Hear this. Up until this point in this passage, in this psalm, the writer has been talking about God, right? He's been talking to the Lord. This is who he is. At this moment, it's the first time he's talking to God. Why is that? Well, I can tell you from experience that there is an intimacy that comes through the valley and a nearness of God that you only experience in the valley that changes your relationship with God. And I could look across this room to people who have walked. I could pass the mic around this room to those of you who have walked through valleys, who have walked through hard circumstances, who have been overwhelmed. And if you have stayed close to your shepherd, you have known an intimacy with God that you had never experienced before. Our God is a God who is near the brokenhearted. Our God is God who walks, who says, come to me, all those who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's the one who says, I want to be close to you. I'm not looking to be far off. And if some of you are like, I don't know if he wants to be near to me, just look at the cross of Christ. No other thing that you could see. God didn't stand far off and say, I'm a God who is at a distance. No, he said, I see a sinful, broken world, and I'm willing to get into the muck to be near broken people that I might save and redeem them. And that's what God wants to do in your life. He is a God who is near. And there's some of you that came in this morning and you feel like nobody cares about you. You feel like nobody wants to know you. You feel forgotten. Listen, there's times in my life I've felt the same way, okay? I'm the introvert that can sometimes feel uncomfortable in circumstances. And when I walk in, I'm like, does anybody see me? Listen, that's a lie from the pit of hell. There is a God who loves you deeply, who cares for you intimately, and is pursuing you, okay? He loves you deeply. Will you respond to him? Will we respond to him? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. So I want to close this with our big so what. Every week we have a big so what, right? We say, so what? What's the point of this thing? If you forget everything else that I have said here this morning, I want you to hear this. He's leading, or he leads, but will you follow he leads, but will you follow? 
A lot of times we, we question, well, God, are you, will you really do this? Will you really do that? He already, he, he's a man of his word. Listen, he'll do whatever he said he was going to do. The question isn't, is he doing his part? The question is, will we do ours? Right? And I would bet that there are some of you that have walked in the room this morning. You've come in and you have been led by anything and everything other than the good shepherd. You've been giving your life. You walked in the door this morning. You are exhausted. You are tired. You feel beat up. You feel overwhelmed. You feel stressed out. You feel forgotten. You feel all of these things. Why? Because you have been following bad shepherds. You've been following ones that have leading you to destruction, leading you to death. And the good shepherd is standing out there saying, listen, would you follow me? Would you just come follow me? It's an invitation to a better way of doing life the way it was designed as him as our Lord, submission to his leadership. Listen, following him, even when we don't agree, right? Even when we don't like where he's leading us, recognizing that he is a God who guides us into right paths. He brings correction sometimes, right? Why does a God correct us? Because he loves us. If there's a parent out there that, that doesn't discipline their kids, I question whether they love their kid actually, right? He's a God who wants to guide us into the right path, to lead us for his name's sake. I think a lot of people think about Christianity, and they view Christianity like uh, trying to avoid the principal's office. Remember when you were in school, right? You were in school, that was the empty, th or not an empty, it depended on who your principal was, but that threat they would always give you, you know? You do that again, I'm sending you to the principal's office. So, right, so, you, so you would be bad, but only to a certain level, right? Because you know, like, if I, if I go over there, then I, gotta, I don't want to go to the principal's office, so I'm going to at least stop at this point. I think people see life that way. Like, okay, okay, God, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to ask you into my heart because I just want to avoid the principal's office, right? I'm going to do this thing to try and avoid this, to avoid the bad stuff, right? I don't want to go to hell. I don't want any of those things, so I'm going to do this thing to try to stay safe. And although following Christ brings life, not death, right? There is hope rather than uh, uh, just overwhelmed feelings of, of loss and, and destruction, right? It is so much more than that. Following Jesus is an invitation to a new shepherd. It's an invitation to someone who will lead you and walk with you. It's an invitation to say, would you enter my kingdom rather than trying to build your own? Because that kingdom that you're building will lead to your own downfall. It will lead to your own destruction. But if you follow me, it will be life and hope and joy and peace. And everything you're pursuing out there is found only in me. But it only comes if you say yes. He leads, but will you follow? This morning, there's some of you here that have maybe come in the door this morning, and you've never responded to Christ. You've never submitted your life to Jesus. In a few moments, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. It's more than just adding Jesus to your life. It's submitting your life to him. Say, God, I'm yours, and I will follow you. I put my hope and my trust in you. It is the greatest decision you could ever make. Does it, it gives you life everlasting. It gives you hope, but more than anything, it gives you your creator God, the good shepherd who walks with you at every moment and every day. There's others of you who would say, honestly, it's been a while since I've been following. I'm not following God at all. This morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to reaffirm your commitment to Christ, to turn back to him, to submit your life to him again, right? To recommit your heart to Christ, okay? And I'm going to do that in a moment. But I want to talk to everybody else for a second here. 
as we close. Because it's possible that you're here and you're a follower of Christ, right? I, I love Jesus. I want to follow, I follow you. I don't do it perfectly. Neither do I. Newsflash. Okay? <laughs> I don't do it perfectly. I, I follow him, right? The question is, how do, I, how do I grow in that? Like, what does it look like to allow God to shepherd me? What, what does that even look like in my life? In order to understand that, I want to take you back to a game you used to play in the swimming pool. How many of you ever played Marco Polo before? You played Marco Polo? Okay. Now, Marco Polo, if you've never played before, right, somebody's in the pool and there's a whole bunch of people around them, the person in the middle, they close their eyes. Or if you're like me, you kind of half close them so you can see through your eyelashes. You can still see. That's how you win, okay, in case you're wondering. But you're good and you didn't do that, okay? You kept your eyes closed all the way. But when you play the game the right way, you close your eyes all the way. And what do you do? You say, Marco, everybody has to say, there you go, Marco. And the first time, a couple times you do that, if you've got a bunch of people around you, you have no idea who you're listening to. There's just voices everywhere. You don't know who to pay attention to. You're like, I don't, I don't even know what to do, okay? But somewhere along the line, you begin to say, Marco, and you hear one voice, and you're like, okay, I'm going to go for that voice, right? And every time you say Marco, everybody still says Polo, but you're not listening for those voices. You're trying to hear that voice. That's the voice you're pursuing. That's the voice you're going after. And you draw near to that voice. And you start to lose any thought of these other voices, and you're paying attention. And you begin to hear. You recognize, I know who that is. I know that's my friend, right? I know his voice. I know it. And you pursue it. And that voice starts to move a little bit. You're chasing that voice down. Why? Because you are intentionally going after that. You are following that voice. That is the only voice that matters to you. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Okay? It means in a world that has voices all around you, right? Students, there are so many voices trying to speak to you. And sometimes we can get paralyzed just standing here like, I don't know who to listen to. Listen, I know who you should listen to. You should listen to our God. And he speaks primarily through his word. Do we, do we put ourselves in a posture where we want to hear from God? God, I want to hear from you. And when we hear, we begin to learn his voice. You know what Jesus said? He said, my sheep, sorry, where those sheep still, but my sheep, they listen to me. I know them, and they follow me. That's what Jesus said. So are we going to be those who say, God, I hear your voice, and I pursue your voice, and I know there's other voices, but I don't care about those voices. I want to hear your voice, God. I make space for you. I spend time in prayer. I spend time in your word. I come to church not just because it's a fun thing to do. I do it because I desperately need to hear from you, God. And the more we posture our hearts in that way, the better we will know our shepherd's voice. And as dumb as, as sheep are, I had a lady this morning, she, she worked with sheep when she was a kid. She said, as dumb as sheep are, they know their shepherd's voice and they follow. So for us, some of us, we need to get back to a place. We need to say, God, I'm sorry. You have been leading and I have not been following. God, I repent of that. God, may we be those who say, God, speak. Your servant's listening. I want to follow you. I wanna, I'm going to give you the privilege to shepherd me. Even if you lead me where I don't want to go, I trust you and not me. That's what it means to follow Jesus.